The thought of going back to a theater is just like doesn't appeal to me. Don't don't do it. <laughs> not within the next like two years. I feel. Yeah, I just well also like I'm so used to the last. <laughs> yeah, I was so upset because I was like, the last movie that I paid for was was fucking Mulan. Oh, the, the no. new Mulan, and oh my god! I, I, I paid for the new Mulan, and I paid for that, and I watched it with my oh. brother, like by my partner and my parents. Oh. And the whole time we were just like, "What the fuck is this? <laughs> like this movie yeah. sucks." Um, it kind of sucks. And uh, yeah, I haven't. I honestly haven't really watched a lot of new movies. Um, like I'll watch Shang Chi after forty five days when it comes out on Disney Plus. Um, that way, I can watch it not have to wear a mask and pause it as much as I'd like to look at the details um, because y- you know can, I'm going to do that. Can I make a recommendation that Ivan and I just enjoyed quite a lot? Yeah. The Witcher animated movie is on Netflix. It's 80 minutes. Long. Oh, that's the oh, um, only that's the minutes. it's okay. like a prequel, right? Yeah. So it follows Vesemir, who is the yeah. NPC in the game. Who's your mentor? Nice. Sarah and I just watched all of Castlevania finally. Mm. Oh, great. I love fucking, that. Fucking fucking great. Um, and then we, cause we watched all of Demon Slayer and we were like, oh, let's mm. watch like a new animated show. Then we watched all of Castlevania. Uh, and now we're looking for a new thing. So if you have recommendations, let me know. The Witcher is a great yeah. jump off from Castlevania because it's the same animation style using the Witcher kind of background. And I am a big fan of Witcher. I really, really enjoy it despite some of the problematic natures of it because mm-hmm. I just like, because I spent, uh, two weeks in Warsaw trying to absorb the culture and like how they have grown from their experiences and how they both understand and acknowledge the atrocities and how they mm-hmm. try to, to incorporate that in decisions moving forward. When I see media like the Witcher knowing where it comes from, um, I get a sense of like a, like a humbleness where I feel like someone, like I feel like I'm experiencing an artist's art, which is a very odd mm-hmm. thing to say, but hopefully you kind of get my meaning. Yeah. I'm uh yeah, looking for new things. So maybe we'll watch The Witcher. Um, you can also then... try uh, Tresse. Uh, yeah, we Whoa. watched that. My partner yeah. couldn't Tresse. get into it as much. Okay. Um, but we'll, we're going to try it again. Um, we're just like, she's just really like, I just want season two of Demon Slayer. Um, <laughs> I mean, the movie. We watched the movie already. We oh, watched okay. the movie already. All it's right. super good. Right. It's fantastic. Um, Emotional. <laughs> and like, we're both reading it. So it's just like, oh. Um, and then I just watched all of Kingdom. Oh, nice. uh, finally oh, 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 oh um, it's good oh it's great it's great i thought it I like and i gotta watch that little like short film or whatever i don't know if it's like a movie oh there's like it's like a new thing that came out uh about oh. the character that is revealed at the very last scene of season two mm-hmm. um so i'm i'm hyped to uh mm-hmm. watch that i honestly like having watched a lot of like zombie shit like i really love zombie movies like i think i have like 200 zombie movies on dvd here at my place like i have i have a i love zombie media and i thought like really really um like i love i loved kingdom because i thought it was like oh this is so different um and so i'm hoping for more asian zombie stuff like i've seen like train to busan and all those movies but i want something i want more like i love the historical stuff small spoiler for path of wuxia they kind of deal with zombie like things Mm mm-hmm in that game it's the game i've been working the mod on so yeah um, yeah yeah that's cool we've translated okay. some of the uh them as uh yeah 
yeah, if there's a there's zombie like stuff in it. Oh, so somebody just said, um, watch uh, Cabaneri. I, I watched that already. It was awesome. <laughs> um, already watched that. That's fantastic. Um, yeah, I'm just like looking for looking for new stuff. And uh, speaking of like um, like new stuff, I, I ordered like a whole bunch of like Wuxia books. Um, yeah, to read the first time I ever bought a Wuxia novel. Um, oh, where did you which buy? one? Yeah, so like I, I've seen like the you know there's like all the the Jin Yong stuff that, yes. that you could read, but yes. I found a really interesting blog. So I will I'll link it for in a show notes. But there's an author named uh, J F Lee, um, and J F oh. Lee has a really cool Wuxia website that's got a really interesting like what is Wuxia and like the history of Wuxia. Um, but they've also published like self published two books. So I ordered both of them. Um, one, the first one is called sword of sorrow, blade of joy. And the second one is called fangs of the black tiger. So, um, I'm very interested to, to read those. Um, yeah. Um, I, I'm just hyped. Cause like, I, I want to, you know, really dive into Wuxia outside of, you know, movies and TV. Yeah. I haven't really gone into the, like, aside from some of like the web novels, that I started reading because of Agatha's influence on me. Um, yeah, oh, I want to. Oh, oh. <laughs> um, yeah, just trying to read more Wuxia. Um, mm. But that said, I mean, like, yeah, Jin Young stuff is definitely like, yeah, like the some sort the, of the dude gold standard. He's the dude. Um, yeah, Condor Heroes is finally being translated. I think for people who are looking to get into it, this would be my recommendation. Condor Heroes is my that's the, favorite. That's the classic. It is, it is a classic. Genial. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It is essentially, uh, my opinion on it is, it is essentially the effect of what this trilogy had on Wuxia literature is the same effect that Lord of the Rings had on fantasy literature. Yeah. yeah. Like, this was such a big deal that when Jin Yong passed away, I think it was in 2018, they went to the location where he wrote most of the um, book around Xiangyang. They turned off all the lights and they lined the entire walls with candles in remembrance wow. of him. Like he was such a huge cultural figure in this whole thing. And there are like people who make like banquets about it. And it's highly recommend the series. Um, you'll yeah. see its influence throughout. I mean, modern media will always reference. I was watching a show called Falling Into Your Smile, and they were referencing characters that he wrote about. And it's like, you know. Yeah, when I was working on my my setting, I was reading a lot about his work. Mm -hmm. Um, When looking at, like, the orthodox and the unorthodox sects and all the different Mm -hmm. things, I was like, oh, these are really cool. Um, Yeah. And that's a big thing I want to touch on is, like, there's no, like, good and evil is very gray in Wuxia settings. Like, there's always an argument of, like, who is good and who is evil. And, like, I like orthodox and unorthodox a lot better yeah. than good and mm-hmm. evil. Yeah, I remember, oh, my gosh, when uh, Hearts of Wuling was Heart of Hearts of Wuling was still in development. And then this was actually one of the discussions that I had with Lol where we were talking. Because at first it was, like, good and bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was, like, then he changed it to orthodox and unorthodox because it just... Mm-hmm. it made it was more accurate i think yeah i that, that's like the the sha part um Sha is actually two uh mandarin words put together u is like fighting or martial and sha is this like very nebulous concept um 
It's, it's like it's like martial heroes. Yeah, it's like it's like being a hero, but it's not like some people like to say chivalry. I'm like, no, 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 because chivalry is like attached to like knights and stuff. This doesn't have knights attached to it. It's doing the right thing, doing what you believe is right and just. I think is yeah. what is more the focus here, and a lot of like the stories around it focus on people who are trying to do what they think is right and what they think is just. And obviously there's arguments about that and that's where tension and, you know, conflict arises. Yeah. Well, like, I mean, like speaking of knights, I think this is the perfect time to start our episode mm-hmm. on Wuxia in Dungeons and Dragons of all things. Um, this is our second episode on Wuxia. Their second episode, like true episode on Wuxia. Um, this is also the, the second time Johnny <laughs> has has thanks been on Agents back. Represent. I mean, thanks thanks for thanks for the work that you do, uh, and thanks for your insight. I'm I'm super hyped because um, this is actually part one of a two part video series that we're doing on Wuxia. The next one, Agatha is leading. Uh, I'm yeah. <laughs> it's the next one. Agatha and I had a conversation, and we were just like, Daniel is super unqualified to lead this one <laughs> because okay. it's good. Okay, to be fair, no, I, that I was said not that. the actual I, conversation. No, I wasn't not. like, uh, Daniel? No, well, I, I self-identify as unqualified <laughs> to do that episode. Self-identify. I said, look, I'm not qualified to do this one. But, like, Agatha is. Because the last episode we did on Wuxia with Yilin, like, you also led. And I was kind of just like, mm-hmm. tell me more. That episode was tell so the thing. That was the episode was hype. We'll we'll link that one. That one was uh, only on the audio feed on our original audio feed. So um, I'm excited for people to 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 kind of take a look at those. Um, but yeah, we've got this episode is going to be a Wuxia and D and D specifically how it's portrayed in Fifth Edition D and D and how it can and maybe can't improve. And then our next episode on Wuxia is going to be on the sort of the nitty gritty of the wuxia literary genres when we talk about like jin yong and like all of those all the subsequent influences on the genre so uh wanted to be clear we're doing two separate episodes so today we could focus on like the dnd um but before we even dive into wuxia news do we have any 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 news anything you want to share i know like johnny you're constantly you're working on the the english um materials for path of wuxia which yes. I am like so unbelievably hyped for. Like especially it has zombie stuff in it. Well, now that I know it's got zombie stuff, it's like mm-hmm. I gotta play it out. But last time you we spoke, you said that only the first act or chapter or season you said is has been translated, right? It's playable throughout like both years. Like the first act is way more polished than the second act. We're still working on it. Um I have some time this month, I'm gonna put some more time into it. Uh, hopefully we'll be able to wrap up stuff by like I would say like October. Uh, I'll ping my... you guys and we'll be able to get most of the main storylines polished through. Oh, maybe we'll stream it. Um, oh I'm... my gosh, yes. <laughs> maybe we'll stream it. I- I'm hyped because like, like I, I... October is my birthday. I'm gonna take some time off, and I'm just I'm looking forward to playing this game. I I, I will be playing Path of Wuxia in October. It's, I can't wait. It's... It's a fun mix of like, you know, visual novel and tactics. I've never played a and... visual novel. <gasps> like, well, oh yeah, like, we were supposed to. We were going to and it just we 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 never got around to it, but maybe this You'll could enjoy be it. the first visual novel. I don't know. Yay. Uh, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I have like what over 100 hours on it already. 
Oh, damn. Some people have like 300 hours, but like I have to like go back and work on stuff to like make it through. Nope, I have 84.7 hours on it. So is this of play as well? Like, so no, this so is me how- playing through multiple times because you're not, the game isn't designed for you to like consume all the content at once because it moves on a timeline very much like Persona. So you can't never, see all I've, of your I friends. I've never played Persona. Okay. I don't know. How so you it have works. like friends in your like in I your like so. group that you can do side quests with, but time moves faster than you can like level up through relationship with them. So you have to play through multiple times to see everyone's side story. Oh. oh, so you can't be like, okay, I'm gonna work on this one, and then later I'll do this one. Like you have no, to be no, no. so like the story moves, and you just kind of have yeah. to flow with it. You have to flow with it. You have to select oh. who you want to like, you know, build relationships with. Oh, there... and they also have their own like, um, they also have their own like learnings and growth of what it means for their own path of. <gasps> Oh, their own path of wuxia. Yeah, they, they're, they're all on this like story of like this whole time. You're just like trying to figure out, you know, what is my path, right? And everyone else is in this like discovery place of their own path as well. Wait, so do do your decisions affect what kind of path you take, or is it kind of like you generally your decisions end up taking will lessons? affect things further down like the timeline? Like there are specific points where it's like a very key decision, and one decision will. Re- will like result in one outcome a little bit later on, but then other dishes will give a different outcome because certain people aren't there anymore. This sounds this sa- no. yes. <laughs> I, was about to, I was literally about to say oh! this sounds so wholesome and Agatha's like, cause they're dead. I mean, yes. The it's like part of the the discussions of the whole Batman question is like, is at what point is someone no longer redeemable? Oh snap. And then of they course there's zo- and then and then there's zombies. <laughs> then they throw out zombies. Oh, it asks a very deep question when it gets to that one. Well, I want to talk. I actually want to circle back to the whole zombies thing when yes. we're talking about Usha, but also <laughs> okay, Shinsha. Okay. I want to talk about that. I want to talk about okay. zombies and stuff like that within the genre and what you can kind of include. And I gotta okay. first of all apologize, Steve. I'm so sorry. I've never played Persona. <laughs> it, it's okay. I haven't either. I so, don't like the Persona games precisely okay. because of what Johnny has said. Because oh. the game puts you in a in a in a very awkward position where you can't do everything. You're going to dis- I feel like I'm going to disappoint someone, and I get a lot of anxiety when I play Persona mm. games. Which, mm. like, obviously that's a me problem. Like, obviously Persona it, games I have a lot of respect for, but I can't play them because. So is it? What? So you don't like that the game literally gives you FOMO, yes. like virtual FOMO. Mm. It's also a reason why I can't play a lot of dating sims. Um, mm-hmm. I'm currently playing Boyfriend Dungeon. I understand some of the complexities around how certain themes are handled, but yeah. Boyfriend Dungeon does allow me to romance a lot of people at the same time, oh. and everyone is consensual to this. And I'm oh. like, that's a really interesting concept. I yeah. See, I'm on the other end of that, and I'm playing Skyrim right now, and you could just do everything exactly. With no order. Yeah. All I'm doing is hunting. <laughs> I really want right. us to do like. Um, like a stream of one of these dating sims together. I feel like that would be so fun for all of us to I, just. I think we one hundred percent should, and I think we can. Yeah. I think we could figure out a way to do it with Path of Wuxia. I think we could do it. We'll we'll figure out a way to do it. I'll I'll, I'll look so into I, it. So I will say there are a lot of romanceable characters in there. <gasps> we have not yet figured out if same sex romance is allowed yet. Oh. We believe. That it is, there is a way to make it make a mod so that you can do a same sex romance. Oh, because oh, I guess not. the original, because 
Okay, for clarity, for those yeah. who are listening or watching, you are not one of the devs. I am not one of the devs. I'm just making a fan mod. Yeah. I am um, I am a fan mod that is doing a fan mod translation. I have no official affiliation with Hollywood Studios or any of their affiliates. Yeah. And, and they just didn't uh they just didn't put that in their game. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so we think we think it's just a small change that we can make to allow people to based off of the data structure of the game, I think it's just something that is like a gender lock thing that you just need to be like have the character accept both. We don't know yet. We haven't because they haven't gone that far into the game, you can't advance to the last levels of the relationship. Right. So we'll see. Well, I'm I'm hyped to like stream this in October. You're gonna have to f- teach me how to <laughs> install yeah. mods on Steam. Yeah. Apparently, I, I don't know how to do that. Um, we have instructions. It's all good. Anyways, <laughs> we read the instructions. But anyways, that that's what you <laughs> will have instructions. I meant that, like, that, we, we do have instructions. That's literally just like easy. Daniel. I'm not going to help you. Go read the fucking instructions. <laughs> easy, easy. <laughs> no, it's easy. Oh, it's no. really, download the mod, throw it in the folder, and you're good. <laughs> what folder? <laughs> uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm hyped. But that said, like you, you, you've got you're working on that. Yep. Um, anything else you got going on uh, related to Wusha? I, I should say because I'm sure you got a you have a busy life. Uh, not really, actually. Not related to Wuxia. Respect. Uh, just more... Re- I'm actually rereading Mordal's um, Wuxia right now because uh, my friend Vivid Foundry is in this chat. And yeah. They absolutely love this thing, so I'm rereading it to keep up with them. Uh, but that's Shinsha, which is a whole different story, which leads us back to the question that you had. What can you include in Wuxia? Yeah, so that that's... Okay, we're going to save that. We're going to save that. Okay. Because uh, we, we still got to do... Stephen Agatha, what have you got going on? Well, Unbreakable uh, was announced. It's out. The PDF is available. I'm an editor in Revolution and an editor also in the D&D 5e as well. Uh, but the Revolution one, of course, all my praise. I just, I think it's really fucking dope to have an entire volume or anthology or whatever you want to call it, text devoted to Revolutions where we focus just on Asian voices and a wide range of Asian voices, even more than we had in Breakable Volume 1. Um, mm-hmm. That is really, really fucking dope. <laughs> like, it's just yeah. so cool. And, and if you haven't if you have it purchased Unbreakable Volume 2 yet and you're watching us on Twitch right now, you can actually scroll down and there's a little image of the cover. Click on that and it'll take you right to uh, get yourself a copy of Unbreakable. If you're watching on YouTube, we'll throw that in the, the, the description uh, down below. Um, yeah, super hyped about Unbreakable. Uh, I worked on on Revo- I worked on Revolution and the D and D one as well, uh, so that's that's really exciting, um, and uh, it's cool to see that you're still involved with that, Steve, uh, because uh, I think you bring a, a, a lot to the table there. Thank you. The other news I had is that I'm hitting the gym a lot, but I gotta say I am so fucking pissed at people that show up without a mask on, and then when they have no mask on and they do bicep curls in the squat rack, literally the dreg to society. Just whatever whatever space those people are living in, zero respect for them. And I just want to put that out there because I think that energy needs to exist in the universe. That's all I got to yeah. say about that. I, I, I do appreciate how you've been um, not only <laughs> posting. Oh, no, hold up. I'm, I, this is, I'm not being sarcastic. I do appreciate how you're posting that you're you know working out and staying fit because that is a part of that. You're, you have to take care of your body. But I also really love how you're like, you know, I I have the privilege of being able to go to a gym, but I do everything in my power to make sure that I like that that you steve and those around you are safe and you hold others accountable to it and i, I think that's very important i think it's very important um so much respect uh how about you agatha 
do you have anything else going on anything you want to announce um no actually nothing okay. on the gaming end so well, I've been... Ag- Ag- agatha and i signed a very interesting nda the other day we can say that we signed an nda but not for but it's oh. it's because it... people like you people are going to start putting ndas on their ndas so you cannot disclose that you have a non-disclosure you sign... yeah <laughs> So but, then you can say you signed an NDA to an NDA. Uh, uh, yeah, there yeah. we go. Just, There's layers to it. You can't stop us. Agatha and Daniel will find a way. But yeah, we uh, we something potentially cool in the future. Um, I, I do have to say this uh, from an Asians represent side. I want to thank everyone who voted for us for the Ennies. Um, it's cool that, you know, we out there. But it, this year was really cool because there were so many Asian people who got nominated for Ennies or Asian folks who worked on products that are nominated for Ennies. I think this is a great start. And again, like, like I said before, the Ennies are a deeply flawed system, but the Ennies are still a huge, huge thing for, for marginalized creators and simply winning one is a huge change, like really big positive career boost for somebody. Um, so I'm happy that, you know, we could be critical of the Ennies just like we're critical of wizards of the coast but also support our community members. Um, so yeah, re- really happy that, that you know everyone turned out to, to help us out. Um, in terms of, I think that's it for Asia. Oh, we have one other piece of Asians represent news, Gen Con. Um, we are uh, currently collaborating with Gen Con to do an online two hour high Q anime volleyball high school one shot. Um, Agatha's going to be in it uh, alongside uh, Kevin, who's going to be running Volley Boys. Um, and then we also have John, Ryomasa, um, Charu, who contributed to Unbreakable Revolution, who we also have to have on the show to talk about their work in Unbreakable. And we're waiting for one other person to get confirmation. Once we're all done, we'll put out an official announcement. But you heard it first. We're actually, we're actually going to be the first show to do a sports anime one shot at Gen Con. Uh, again, so fucking good. Again, look, breaking you know what? Ground. Breaking new ground. Honestly, honestly, I'll say this. So when Gen Con approached me, and I was like, I was like, okay, wh- what do you want? A panel or a game? They're like, oh, let's do a game. I'm like, cool. I have two ideas, and I was like, half expecting them to pick one, and you can assume which one I, I expected them to pick. I was like, we could do a sports high school drama, or we'll do like a ninja thing. And Gen Con was like. Let's do the sports high school thing because we've never done that before. Yeah, and yeah. I w- and they want to see that, and I was like, "Let's let's go." Um, so I- I'm excited for that one. Tentatively going to be on September 19th. Uh, we'll have more details uh, to release soon. So I- I'm super hyped for that. Um, I've got one. Oh, I've I've got one piece of news. I actually got in trouble. Um, <laughs> I just, no, I I sort of got in trouble. Um, I'm working on Into the Motherlands. Um, so yeah. I, I working got into the motherlands doing uh mechanical design. Uh Tanya DePass and I are working on another project together that's like NDA and we can't talk about. Um but uh that's been going so well that Tanya was like, Hey, do you want to work on Motherlands? And I said, Yes, but on one condition. Um and that condition is that I don't do anything world building related because that is not my story to tell. Um 
So I am only working on mechanics for Into the Motherlands. But Tanya, Tanya called me out during a meeting uh, and was like, Daniel, your tweet, you did not sound excited. <laughs> just a little bit of, little bit of feedback just a little bit of feedback like no, no, Daniel, like I, marks. I got like a bone to pick with you it was funny because like i thought it was being like oh this is like being like coy with it because like the motherland's twitter released that i was doing it and so i tweeted i guess i should probably announce this and then i said i'm really excited but i was trying to be like i guess this is i don't know i thought i was being coy and tanya was like not enough excitement <laughs> Um, but yeah, super hyped to be on that. And then I know um, uh, Norden uh, Werewolf Fields is also working on that. So I'm uh, I'm I'm hyped. I'm hyped. But but that said, let's talk about D and D. Let's yeah. talk about Wusha. Um, yeah. Do we want to first start by reading the sections, or do we want to go into what Wusha is? Because I could see this going in two directions. One, we could read it and then be like, okay, here's what Wusha is. Or we could be like, okay, let's talk about Wuxia and Xinxia and then go into this. Johnny, you're the guest. What do you think? I think if we start reading it, we're going to like stop every sentence and be like, nope, nope. It's just like nitpicking it. So okay. that's my so, worry is that we're going to get too far deep into like what they say. I also have a slight preference to better define it because although we yeah. have that great episode Asian to present, which I've listened to uh, multiple times because it's actually one of my favorite ones. Uh, Wuxia is not something I've really grown up with. Like it's always on the been on the periphery, but I've talked mm-hmm. about this. Like I, I have very loose Chinese roots. My roots really are in Vietnamese culture, and then I was born in the West and raised in the West. So, although I understand some of the tropes, like when I watch Kung Fu Hustle, I'm like, I think I know that's a reference to something. Mm-hmm. That's about as far as I can go. Like it's mm-hmm. like a gut feel somewhere in the brain, but I have no ways mm-hmm. to actually express it using words. Okay, so, so why don't we talk about? Well, let's first start then with what wuxia is. Right. Let's let's break down mm-hmm. what is Wu and what is Xia. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk about that. And then one thing that I would really like to dive into is something that I've seen a lot in Wuxia in doing research and, and reading is this code of Xia. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, first of all, like, what is Wuxia? Let's break down like the two words. What is Wu and what is Xia? So, Wu is um, martial or fight. Basically, it's like um, fighting martial arts is really that part of it. So there's doesn't necessarily have to be like the main character, but there's definitely physical conflict, put it that way. And Sha, I think we were talking a little bit about earlier is what is to do what is right. That's how I would define it to do what you believe is the right thing to do. Hmm. You don't necessarily have to be like orthodox to do very um, Sha things. Cause a lot of people like, um, will get, you know, kicked out of their sect or clan, but then they'll still go on to do very heroic things to help other people. Um, benevolence, I think, is definitely a key for a lot of Sha people. Whether or not that involves, um, I guess, like, what you think about evildoers, how you deal with them in the end, that's a different question. The mm-hmm. big point is that you are to, there to help other people. Uh, like to help the weak and to like, you know, defeat bullies and stuff like that. That so, would be like the main point. So the these the characters that are in like a, a wuxia novel mm-hmm. or like a, like a web novel, uh, you know, a TV show or a movie, mm-hmm. 
uh, are are they generally folks who exist outside of, say, like the bureaucracy? Not the always. Not always. Um, sometimes they are part of the government and bureaucracy, and then they will get called names by those who aren't, because there's like a level of disrespect that some of these non-governmental like uh, Ulin people. So Ulin is like Marshall is the same U, and Lin is like Forest. It's like a general reference to the people in this martial world. Um, that's so, like so, what. Oh no! Sorry. Go ahead. No, it's like that's like a. Uh, since there's no like physical boundaries for these people, like that's why there's like Jianghu, which is another way to say it, which is like rivers and lakes. It's just like this general, um, obscure reference to this other world that doesn't have physical boundaries or Ulin. Yeah. Like, these are the people in this kind of culture. They're yeah. like training yeah. and they fight. These are, yeah, these are concepts that we definitely touched on in our first Wuxia episode, right? Where yeah. we talked about, like, the the contrast of Jianghu versus Miaotang. And therefore, like, Jianghu is the, is the, what, ex- like, tr- historically, it was used to invoke what exists outside of, like, the... Um, the official imperial structure, um, mm-hmm. so which mm-hmm. is like a miaotang yeah. is like the government. Miaotang yeah. is, uh, miao is like t- like temple. Temple. Yeah. Tang is uh, just like um, it's like official place, like palace, yeah. kind of like court, yeah. Kind of deal. yeah, yeah. So it's just like the court versus mm-hmm. um, a system that exists outside of it, and yeah. then right. and so like historically, like the term like xia and or xia ke, which is just like the the person who like embodies this kind of like so like if you were to say like uh i was uh googling this while we were talking just now uh like like a wandering vigilante is like one of the earlier uses of this term um or like something like an adventurer yeah knight errant like it depends on like in what context they are used but like these are kind of and then so like traditionally a lot of these stories uh like uh are about people who are kind of like folk heroes kind of and then they like go around and then they encounter problems um usually like in a locale and then they do something um to either resolve it or well usually it gets resolved for better or for worse um it's resolved so, some w- in one way or another. Right, okay. And the issue ends. <laughs> yeah, so... Um, and, and then, like... Like, there, then there's more... Then... Oh, I don't remember... So, anyway, if you were to go back to that episode, it really talks about, like, the historical development mm-hmm. of this as a genre. Yeah. So, so, so would we say that, like, the Wulin is, like, the martial arts community, like, the world yeah. of the martial yeah. artists, and the Jianghu is, like kind of what ties them all together so is, they're, kind of, they're kind of interchangeable aren't they are they um i think it, it depends on who's saying like yeah. what the usage is i think jianghu right. is definitely more it's definitely broader like yeah, you can refer to jianghu as like the 90s gangster th- movies in hk in hong kong they'll talk about jianghu and those are yeah. like mobsters and that's their jianghu so is yeah. that their like their world? So like yeah. the, yes. the so their so like could you say that like the oh I'm gonna D and D this up and this might not be right. 
and this is actually a part of the conversation, but could you say like the Jianghu is the class of individual within the Wulin? So like, you know, the beggars or like the, um, like the outlaws, like no. they're separate communities no. and they're how all tied together within the Wulin? So how I would translate Jianghu is like, uh, the, like politics. Like okay. it has to do with politics. Like like there's like you know how there's a lot of terminology about like like um like for example like a work there's like work politics and then like um um in school there's like school politics and then in like sports mm -hmm. clubs there's sports club politics and I right. feel like Jianghu sometimes is used like that too. Like yeah. this is this is the this is the political um burden and or like a uh, yeah. like tangle of relationships um that oh, i feel okay. like a lot of times when you see it in like movies when they talk about like the jianghu they they are actually talking about the that like social relationship aspect mm -hmm. of it. yeah oh, okay so kind of like how we talked about like face and like guanxi and yeah all, all that sort of stuff mm -hmm. the jianghu is kind of like the entanglements of the people who are within the wulin so that is definitely one usage one of it. it. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And then the other usage is of course like what I mm -hmm. uh said previously about like it being a contrast. So the term has a lot of different usages. Um So so it you Johnny you mentioned it was like rivers and lakes. That's a literal translation. But well what why why is that why why is that the case then? Why is that term used? I'm just, I'm so curious because like if like the Wulin is like the the like the martial forest and like Jianghu is like that rivers and lakes literally. Is there a particular reason why? Probably because people lived around there. I don't know. Or I guess maybe I it forms a full even, world. I yeah, I guess. Like, I guess. You, well, watch part know. two. Watch part two. Watch part two. Um, we're yeah. here to kind of set a foundation. Yeah. The, the other thing but that we kind of speaking oh, of foundation see, yeah. though. So this is all great and like. From an academic sense, I could, like I understand everything like that. But I, for me personally, when I learn these kind of concepts, I like to bring it into like my own experiences. So I'm very much very Western in my upbringing. So Wuxia, the first time I like I've heard that term was like Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon. Mm -hmm. But if I go backwards, so let's go backwards even more. Um, Bruce Lee had a lot of films, and I always got the gut feel that he was very much influenced by the stories that were told in Wuxia, and. If you take a look at something like Fists of Fury, where he's kind of like the outsider who has come in, is trying to understand his place in the society, has learned there's a bunch of inequality, and has decided to punch his way for some equality, mm -hmm. um, and also for some justice. That had always felt like a very like wuxia like type of mm -hmm. storyline to me. I mm -hmm. Am I off, or like what are your thoughts on that? No, I th I think that's very much a wuxia story. It's like usually it's like. A group or like a certain people they come in to a certain area and they see a bunch of injustices and that's what the whole point of Sha is like they see something wrong and their goal right. is to fix it you know usually they'll fix they'll try to fix it you know by talking or you know convincing people and that doesn't always happen so you start throwing fists and swords and fans and all sorts of cool stuff so let's yeah, take this one step even sorry i'm gonna keep going no keep going yeah. go go keep go going, so going. we keep going so we get to the westernization of like these ideas of martial arts films i'm not gonna say wuxia films but like martial mm -hmm. arts films so we get something like karate kid now karate kid is a story about someone who is new to a society a white boy who has mm -hmm. come into like this white culture and doesn't fit in and is the villain, is the villain. but the generally villain. doesn't fit in and it has felt like this tension here and they find like a mentor and go through like 
basically building up their martial arts skill to punch their way to what they see as justice. Now, would you say that something like Karate Kid is a wuxia type of thing, or have we moved into an area where it's a little too gray and there's like more nuance to talk about? I would. There's a little bit more nuance in this, more on like a mechanical side. Okay. Because in my opinion, this is my personal opinion on this. Because for me, the some of the definitive mechanical points of wuxia, and this is a word that I don't like to use, is like the cultivation. I really don't like this translation is um, mechanically these people train chi and their energy and they learn martial arts moves in terms of like forms and stuff, right? I think those get kind of worked in whether or not it's specific or not. And I guess like Karate Kid does have some of it, but there's lack, it's lacking that fantastical element of training like chi. I, I think uh, counterpoint. But the, what about Xinxia? What about Xinxia then? When I'm, it comes to like the fantasy sort of side of things, I I feel like a story is not a wuxia story if it does not have the Jianghu in there. So if it doesn't have the people and the politics um, of like this society, this um, subculture, oh, I, I don't well, know Karate how. Kid but has but it does because there's the Cobra Kai and then yeah. there's Miyagi. I think the right. one thing that makes, in my mind, that makes karate kid not a wuxia i mean there's two things first of all it's about japanese martial arts um that's the first one right we're gonna talk about that the second one is like johnny you mentioned like benevolence and righteousness like Mm -hmm. daniel larusso is very much the villain of karate kid right he he like inserts himself into the lives of these people and taunts them, uses violence and all that. But he also wins in the end with an illegal move, which doesn't seem like a benevolent or righteous thing to do. Right? Mm. Like if you rewatch, cause I rewatched karate kid recently. And then I started reading all these analysis of karate kid and then the Cobra Kai show on Netflix. And I was like, Oh yeah, Daniel's kind of the, kind of the villain. I, yeah, I feel like, I don't know if like righteousness is always at the core of like more modern wuxia stories. I think it's like it's very different um, from its you know its historical origin. So I don't mm-hmm, think right. like you need um, a a like a morally good uh, protagonist to for it to be a wuxia story. Okay. No, no, no. Dear Cauldron totally had like the worst. <laughs> like the okay, so, so, least morally good character as the protagonist. Okay, so and the protagonist story. So the protagonist doesn't have to embody that sort of sha that you talked about then. Yeah, so I think yeah. like okay. on a visceral level, I just disagree with it being a wuxia story because in my mind, I still think of wuxia as being a very Chinese mm-hmm, genre. Right. And, it is a very Chinese genre. And uh, and Karate Kid is just n- not, not a ch- yeah it's just not Chinese in a lot of ways. Like, first of all, because, you know, you're learning karate, not like Chinese martial arts. And second of all, like the, the, the moral of the story, the tone, the, um, not, not n- n- the theme is like, it's very individualistic. Mm-hmm. Um, and like the way, I don't know. It's just like the way that people relate to each other. It's, it's a very it's Western weird. storytelling tradition. A tradition mm-hmm. that is in a lot of movies right like m- most superhero movies are like that too um mm-hmm. but i just feel like tonally it's not 
it doesn't feel Chinese. There are a lot of Chinese stories who are that are also like in the wuxia genre and are also about this like uh, dude who was like a loser and then like mm-hmm. like you know get learn some cool thing and then becomes like the very best. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but I feel like there's still something about like there's just, there's, there's something themes. about karate that misses so wuxia thing, but it has elements in it. It has like it's like if you're cooking something and you have like three of like two or three of the of like the 10 spices you need to make it yeah like right. a spice is going to taste the same but there's nuance in how you prepare it. yeah so I, I, I apologize for this like tangent because no, i no, picked no. karate kit because well, i knew it was going to be difficult to deconstruct and it's not my intention to deconstruct it fully here but well, i, used I to... think you bringing that up is a great point though steve because mm-hmm. it relates to what we're going to talk about down the line exactly um, I think that like one of the things that came up when you know, like, we put out some tweets about this was that like are all martial arts movies wuxia movies? Mm-hmm. It's a really yeah. good question. I think. And that, that's that's the question that I want to pose to you know to Johnny and Agatha. Are all martial arts movies wuxia movies? So for instance, is Shang Chi a wuxia movie, or is Ip Man is that a wuxia movie, Ooh. or is um? I'm just kind of gonna kind of go, or is like, um, Enter the Dragon, a wuxia movie, or and then we'll go on the other end is like, well, what about is The Great Wall, a wuxia movie? So like, do all martial arts or action movies that take place either in ancient China or in the year or current present, is are those Mulan wuxia? a wuxia movie? Or Mulan, yeah, or is Mulan a, a wuxia movie? haven't seen it but i would i'm tempted to say no if i want to apply like strict definitions around it well there's no jang hu right or wulin in mulan right yeah. and then what about like um what about yip man like th- those movies are they i think yip man definitely is because of the the because so why do you think it's their their wuxia movies because they solve problems by fighting <laughs> 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 like, <laughs> and I guess because they've got the different schools, like they're yeah. always like, "Oh, my style and your style." Oh, yeah. it man, Wing Chun, and you're like solving well, the problem of like, like political conflict by like, but what if we just got a showdown? I mean, okay, I'm I actually love the movies. I, don't I do too. Like, I, I love. I don't want to throw shade, but like. Mm-hmm. To me, that feels very much like a wuxia story. Okay, that's so, definitely closer than like Karate okay, Kid is. So Mulan and Karate Kid, no. Yip Man, yes. Okay, what about Shang Chi? Haven't seen it. Based on the trailers, perhaps. I right? don't know anything about this. Because like, so I look at I look at Shang Chi and I'm like, oh, okay, it's got some about? like, it's got some elements of wuxia that I, based on my understanding, right? It's got this whole separate world, which is like the Wulin. But then there's a part of Shang-Chi that I don't know actually fits within Wuxia. And I, yeah. And I think this definitely leads into the D&D conversation we're about mm-hmm. to have. And it's that, like, he's got, like, mystical magic artifacts and there's dragons and monsters. Ooh, okay. So, if we're strictly talking about Wuxia and separating it from Xinxia and then yes. separating it from Xunhuan, Wuxia doesn't <gasps> have dragons or, like, um magic specifically in it a lot of the people who they see when they see people like flying that's part of the usage of like their internal energy their chi that they've been training and you can't keep that up forever so back when like crouching tiger came out people were like well why didn't they just fly back to get like the medicine it's like 
you can't go that fast forever, like on your own stamina. A horse is still going to be faster than you are. Like, there's a limitation to your own personal stamina when you use this stuff, and when you do those moves. Okay, so um, what about Shinsha then? Keep my 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 favorite way to tell someone like how to tell what something is Shinsha is if the dude is flying on a sword. If someone flies on a sword, like standing on a sword, right? Like, that is like the biggest trophy thing that like every Shinsha thing has. Is like, do they stand on a sword and fly? Okay, so then, then what about what was the last one you mentioned? Shinhuan is like more, even more like it's beyond mythological. It. Yeah, is oh, way so more gods and stuff. Kind of and spirits. Yeah, spirits and gods. So like Shinhuan and Shinsha have more crossover. Um. Then like, like Wuxia I, and Shinsha. I feel like Shinsha is like the. And Xuanhuan, the difference is more in like the kinds of stories that they tell. Mm-hmm. Um, so okay. like you don't differentiate them in terms of like how much magic is there because there's a lot of magic in both. Yeah. But like Xinxia is a lot about uh, like uh, getting good, getting to the top, or like uh, in terms like personal romances. relationships. Yeah, a yeah. lot of romances. Like the whole like series Sword and Fairy I've been playing, Xinjin Xinxia is one. It's like the granddaddy of like my opinion is the granddaddy of all Xinxia. I think and it's so, always yeah. about okay, yeah. like. Every single game in there is about love and loss. You play that game, I promise you, one of those characters is going to die. <gasps> okay. Spoiler so, so well, spoilers. So <laughs> yeah, that spoiler. okay. So that that's Shinsha. Yeah. So then the other, in terms of scale, so Agatha, you mentioned stories. Well, what about what was the other genre again? Shonen. So then, what what would you characterize the uh, story in that genre then? As opposed, I'm going to defer to you, Johnny, because I don't think I ever. Did you play Sword of Legends? You played a little bit of Sword of Legends three, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I played the MMO, and you can, like, fly on a yeah. sword. Right, so that's, like, that's got that Xinxia, but, like, Sword of Legends is actually more Xuanhuan than Xinxia. It has way more fantastical, my opinion, on it. Because, at least in Sword of Legends 3, it, it goes completely bananas, and people are, like, turning into mystical beasts and stuff like that. And oh, okay, cool. It's yeah, just I get way it. above and beyond. It's kind of like the what, scale. Like, it's like the scale of the fantastical and kind of the focus. That's then. what I would say. Like, kind of like a rough guide for me would be like, Wuxia is kind of like the lower magic tier, and like Xinxia is someone like the normal D and D stuff. And then when you get to like deities and demigods, is when you're like in the Xuanhuan territory where people are just like carving out mountains because they can. Because yeah, because they're, they're, they're so powerful. Because their partner right? cheated on them. Oh, wait, that's <laughs> Shinsha. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. So then that would make Shang-Chi a Shinsha movie then, based on the Probably trailers. Probably, because they have a lot more mystical elements in there from right. what I see. Yeah. Now I'm okay. really excited to watch it. I didn't know anything about this. Dude, yeah, I should it's, watch it's, Tony Leung on the big screen again. Be Tony Leung. I think, I, think, I think a lot of Asian people are mostly like, I want to watch this movie for... For the legend, Tony. <laughs> Tony Long. I like me. I, he looks, oh, that guy's such a good actor. Oh my God. But Agatha, it's literally about this guy who is trained to be a killer and he abandons his like family and clan and organization to live a modest life in San Francisco. And then his life comes back to get him. And then, oh, this is like, a Marvel oh, film? Yeah, it's a Marvel yeah, film. Marvel it's, film. It's, it's oh, based that's on a, why. It's based on a really. Some, some really problematic old source yeah. material where they villain. Yeah. It's got a lot of yellow peril. Um, yeah. So uh, I'm I'm interested to see what you know what they kind of lean into. Mm-hmm. Um, they they I think like elements are like seem to be Wuxia, and then elements tend to be Xinxia in kind of like what they're showing. Um, 
but uh that's kind of uh kind I'm I'm interested to to watch yeah. it and after especially after this episode. But yeah. why so now we've kind of established like there is like scale to these genres in terms mm-hmm. of uh like uh the the character themes, the 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 magic portrayed. Um but kind of core to all of this is a lot of like martial arts. Mm-hmm. Um we've talked about, you know, alignment in D&D has always been a really difficult thing to address. Mm-hmm. Uh, but one thing they kind of do in Wuxia, I've noticed, is they have the distinction between the orthodox and the unorthodox mm-hmm. instead of the good and bad or the mm-hmm. good and evil. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I kind of want to dive into that real quick because that that really affects how you would do Wuxia and D&D. Mm-hmm. So or, orthodox and unorthodox, would you say that, I mean... How would you describe that to somebody who has never done that before or encountered like sects and things like that? My sense on it in general is how they gain power. So in Wuxia, like um, most of the characters train their internal energy, then they learn martial arts forms, and the combination of the two is how they normally fight. Some characters or some schools have ways to gain power more quickly than others through um not necessarily like just sitting there and like meditating or like gathering your energy like you normally would because the way they would train would just be a lot of sitting and meditating and gathering energy some of these other methods may involve like stealing someone else's chi and making it your own like that's really unorthodox but is is it evil i don't know if someone's coming to kill you and um that's how you do it and it became like a very um a very big sticking point in um demigods and seven devils Tianlong babu where two schools have similar ways of acquiring this power or of, of this like stealing someone else's powers but one person did it one way one school does it one way another person was like doing it another way and the protagonist learned one of the other ways and then got mistaken for the one of the antagonist students. And they're like, he's the evil person. And, you know, that was a huge. Um, that was a Does huge. Like, have, oh, wow. I, it's been so long since I've. So, 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 read it. so could you say that like in the I feel like people I'm going to get unorthodox roast. methods generally are riskier to the user. Right. They're shortcuts. Yeah. Right? Do you think yeah. this is rooted in like sort of traditional Chinese values of hard work? Hmm. That's possible. One thing I kind of see, like I'm thinking about d and I'm like, oh, unorthodox. It's like when you look at like, oh, wizards, they study magic in books. And then warlocks, they make a pact to get magic power. Is that mm-hmm. kind of like the distinction? I'm not saying wizards are orthodox and warlocks are unorthodox, but as a point of comparison for those who are. I think that's D&D. pretty accurate, yeah. actually. Yeah. Yeah, I would. Yes, and I think the the interesting thing is also that even though like orthodox and unorthodox, it sounds like a much more neutral uh, set of terminology in English. But I think originally um, in Chinese, it's like it's pretty. There's like 
there are different things that you associate with them. Yeah. Like, so for like Orthodox, you associate like righteousness and like being morally mm-hmm. good in general and like following the straight and narrow. Whereas like unorthodox is supposed to be like you are morally either ambiguous and or bankrupt. Um, so mm-hmm. and like sometimes those things and like these are the implications, which is why like good and bad or good and evil is kind of an accurate way of translating them as well. But the thing is, like, and the reason why there is nuance is because in the stories themselves, they are, they're, like, they're exploring that. Like, sects that are are supposed to be um, orthodox um, often, like, do things that are not righteous or, Mm -hmm. like, you know, like, and then, like, those who are from unorthodox sects can also be, like, good people and, like, Mm -hmm. be the only one, like, helping whoever is in need out mm-hmm. when everyone else like turned away so it's yeah. like it's the the genre itself is playing with these labels but the labels themselves you can say are like mm-hmm. good and evil but if we're talking about like alignment in dnd then like alignment implies that this person is like that through and th- through and through right so mm-hmm. i guess right. that's where i think that's where the biggest difference is for me you can be a good character and learn unorthodox moves Right. You can be an evil character and learn orthodox moves. Like, yeah, alignment more... and like this doesn't, they don't line up. So it's yeah, more it... like, so you could say like in D&D, it's like we have orthodox magical spells and unorthodox mm-hmm. magical spells. Yeah, and so... not like an independent, a separate of the character. Yeah. Yes. So what okay. I'm, so far in this conversation, what I'm hearing is a lot of the themes and stories and, and things we've talked, elements we've touched on for stories. These are things that I could incorporate in my D&D game, like wholesale. Like it would be mostly me as the, the designer and the DM and a lot of my players to like engage with my stories and whatnot. But insofar, everything you've described to me, D&D supports and that it doesn't not support it. Weird mm-hmm. sentence, but like hopefully you can kind of get my meaning. Yeah, there. yeah. Um, but I know that the D and D game has actually Wuxia written in it. And I've always like, I, I went back and I read it several times and it's always kind of left like a strange kind of discomfort with me. It's one that I could never really vocalize. I was wondering mm-hmm. if we could maybe like take a look at that text. Yeah. Why don't we dive into it? So for those sure. who are watching or listening, if you have a, a dungeon master's guide in front of you, um, Turn to page 41 on the Dungeon Master's Guide. So there's a Pause the stream. Go grab it. Pause the stream. (laughs) This suddenly feels like a class. I love it. Uh, Oh, I'm like, I'm back. I'm teaching again. Um, Okay, everyone, we're going to um, turn to page 41. We're going to talk a little bit about a little bit about Wuxia. Dan's Um, on the front. It's like, sit down, sit down. Just like slapping like paper on the desk. (laughs) (laughs) It's the son of my Dungeon Master's Guide. Now, one thing to notice is, is that, or one thing to note, is that Wuxia in the Dungeon Master's Guide is in a section called Flavors of Fantasy. Okay. Now, uh, in this day, it says Dungeons and Dragons is a fantasy game, um, but that broad category encompasses a lot of variety. Many different flavors of fantasy exist in fiction and film. Do you want a horrific campaign inspired by the works of H.P. Lovecraft or Clark Ashton Smith? Or do you envision a world of muscled barbarians and nimble thieves along the lines of the classic sordid sorcery books by Robert E. Howard and Fritz Leiber? 
uh, your choice uh, can have an impact on the flavor of your campaign. And they have like a whole bunch of different ones. They've got like heroic fantasy, sword and sorcery, epic fantasy, mythic fantasy, um, dark fantasy. In I don't know why intrigue is a, a flavor of fantasy because you can have intrigue in literally everything. Um, mystery, same thing. Um, the swashbuckling, war, you can have war in literally everything. Uh, and then they have wuxia. And when I approached you, Johnny, and I was like, okay, we're going to talk about wuxia in 5e, your response was something along the lines of, wait, is there wuxia in D&D, like officially? <laughs> yeah. And I was like, huh? here, let me send you a screenshot. And I sent it to you. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, okay, I'll wait a little bit for Johnny to respond. And you were like, what the fuck did you just send me? <laughs> I was like, my eyes, what did I just read? Um, and I think it's valuable to, you know, kind of... <laughs> go over what what is provided in flavors yep. of fantasy before diving into this so um in it's true asians represent fashion i i would okay, like okay. to also couch this in that when i read this if i was reading it from a perspective of like i'd only grown up watching crouching tiger hidden dragon and maybe i heard about bruce lee or something like that this text parses like kind of okay like it mm-hmm. it makes sense syntactically like it is text you can read and understand yeah um you know you know what i i actually wrote this when i was a ta i wrote this on a paper that got a really bad score but was was bad grade but was well written and i wrote this essay effectively uses paragraphs Ooh, and, and that's what this does it stings yeah uh right but yes let's let's continue let's so let's start so i'm gonna start by reading this is like this is the first time we've read like a, a like a physical book live um and feel free to stop me whenever. When a sensei disappears mysteriously, her young students must take her place. Oh, it's a stop already. Let's stop already. Let me finish the sentence. Okay. <laughs> must take her pla- when a sensei disappears mysteriously, her young students must take her place and hunt down the oni, terrorizing their village. Okay, let's talk about that. Um, for, first of all, let's, let's, let's just say this. Japanese. All right. First off, why sensei and oni? Like, these are Japanese words and concepts. Wuxia is specifically a Chinese thing. Very specifically like, a Chinese thing. Yeah, very specifically a Chinese thing. That, that That's just wrong. And, and even if wrong. even if it was like a Chinese creature or monster, based on what still we've talked about, that's still not wuxia, right? Yeah. Like, it, you, it would be more accurate to say when a shifu disappears mysteriously, or a shifu disappears mysteriously, her young students must take her place and hunt down the bandits terrorizing her village yeah and then that's boom wuxia that's wuxia right right then you have something more like it okay that's sentence one we got to get through this Mm -hmm. we don't have 40 episodes Uh, um, (laughs) this is an asian's read this asian's read 5 e D &D all over again um accomplished heroes masters of their respective martial arts return home to free their village from an evil hobgoblin warlord are they like the first part of it is like, yeah, that's Wuxia. Yeah. Yeah. But the, the Hobgoblin part, like I could see why they put that in there because it's related to d and I get that part. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so Hobgoblins have a strange coding. I know. Yeah. I, there's like also it. like, we don't need to get into that. We don't yeah. need to get into that. But yeah. I do want to call out that Hobgoblins have historically had a very yeah. strange coding when it came, comes mm-hmm. to Dungeons Dragons. Just like remove Hobgoblin and just say an evil warlord and you're good. Yeah. Just say it's an evil warlord and you're good. You don't need that. <laughs> yep. Um, then the last sentence of the first paragraph says, 
the Rakshasa master of a nearby monastery performs rituals to raise troubled ghosts from their arrest. Okay, well, first of all, we talked about spirits being yep. not in Wuxia. Yep. But also, like, yep. this is, like, a really interesting thing that I was keen on bringing up with the three of you. Rakshasas are, like, they're in many editions of D&D. Many editions of D&D. But they're, like, a supernatural entity from, like, Hinduism and, and Buddhism. Mm-hmm. Like, how does religion fe- like figure into wuxia? A whole lot. Glad you asked. Shaolin Temple. There's always a saying in these like wuxia things, like all martial arts comes from Shaolin Si, Shaolin, Shaolin Temple, which is a Buddhist organization. Um, so right. Chinese Buddhism. If you act- historically speaking, if you look it up, there's this guy named Damuo. Like Dar, some I don't even know what his uh, English name is, but he actually did do a lot of martial arts. But the way he did it was a way to strengthen the body and to help people like be healthy. So all of his exercises and stuff were for self defense and for you know health. Because these monks, what they would do is they would go and ask for charity. And so if you have money, you got money from charity. Someone wants to rob you. You don't. You can't let someone rob you. So it's part of that. And the other side, um, Wudang, so the you know famous or infamous Wu Tang clan, like took their name from there. They are Taoists. They're mm. specifically Taoists, so they they follow Taoism. And a lot of those things are not only in Wuxia but also in Xianxia, like the um, like the 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 talismans that they draw and all that. That's a mm. very Taoist thing that they do. My yeah. particular take on. Not necessarily Shaolin, but Buddhism and the physicality of of being a ghost in the shell um, is very much of the extent and the limits of what spirit, soul, and body could have. And like for me personally, I've talked about this a lot about my working out and like my fitness and whatnot, but there is a very deep spiritual connection that I get out of it. And that has always brought me closer to Buddhist teachings and other teachings that I've had from the Eastern side of my heritage. Um, so when I, so I can relate very much to the spirituality and the physicality, the martialness of, of these ideas. So then my question is Rakshasa technically then would, are like, well, I mean, it's not a, a fa- it's not out of place in terms of like the use of religion and things like that, but it's out right. of place then in terms of what you would see in a wuxia story. Yes. Like a cat versus yeah. like a, a, like, a, like fighting a, 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 uh, fighting yeah. a basically like a this a legendary sort of demonic yeah. supernatural creature yeah but would like, not be a wuxia thing yeah but fighting someone from like a specific religion would would be fine like there's a very famous protagonist that's like um, a llama from uh, Tibetan areas I think right so so then you could say that if you were to include a rakshasa it could be. Instead, the instead perhaps it's like the heroes are actually fighting against a perhaps a, a group of bandits or a an evil martial cult. arts sect or a cult, right? Because you see yep. cults a lot in Wuxia yeah. who are yeah. worshiping a rakshasa and trying to raise the dead through their mm, martial arts, they or, or try to raise the dead. Or do you think they, they would... would use the rakshasa's knowledge and maybe gain power that way, killing old masters, stealing techniques? I think the sentence itself is just wrong. It's just because, weird. Because if they're troubled spirits, then why are they resting? Yeah. Like, why, it's just yeah. wrong. It's, it's yeah, an incorrect sentence. Yeah. 
like that's like I, I would posit that's why it's causing so much struggle yeah it's not so much the cultural signifier of the Rakshasha, but it's actually the fact that it has taken two ideas and not used them correctly when it comes to spirits and you could say like cross-cultural indicators because i don't want to say like Rakshasa are in are elements of religions that are practiced around the world but have obviously roots in south asia mm-hmm. i think that's um, accurate, yeah yeah okay so let's keep going um, but you're right. And then if we were talking about like ghosts in China, we could do like a whole episode on ghosts in China mm-hmm. and all the different Chinese ghosts. Ghost hey, do wanna, month. Do you want to do go- Halloween episode, Agatha? Oh, Dang, we should have done it in July. Yeah, we should, we, should, we should do a Southeast Asian episode and just talk about how fucking haunted that area of the Yo, world is. Got, it's so fucking haunted. There's so much... Anyways, sorry. Yeah. Scary I, shit. I get scared. I get scared. I literally yeah. get scared. Please don't tell me about any haunted places when I go. <laughs> yeah. Special guest, Johnny. <laughs> go yeah. watch Tresse. Let's continue. Go, with the, go watch Tresse. Yeah. Anyways, uh, a campaign that draws on elements of Asian martial arts movies is a perfect match for D&D. Um, and this was why I asked that question. Are all martial arts movies wuxia movies? They are not. They're not. Um, uh, players can define the appearance of their characters and gear however they like for the campaign, and spells need only minor flavor changes so they better reflect such a setting. For example, when the characters use spells or special abilities that teleport them short distances, they actually make high-flying acrobatic leaps. Okay, let's talk about let's talk about this. So, I- so this is this is this is again. I can see why they wrote this because in D anD D, chi is magic. But we talked about it, yeah. that and how it's not. So I see why they did it. It's just it's just flat wrong. Yeah. Yeah. So so I will say that when I read this, I can read it one of two ways. One way is pretty like generous where I'm like, oh, you can change the appearance of your characters. They can wear different clothing. The second way I read it is that they're saying that if you're gonna play a Wuxia game, play Asian characters. Put on Asian skin. That's mm-hmm. my most harmful read of that text. And yeah. I think both are valid. Um, but you know, it takes into account how what trauma the reader has had in the past and what other context is given here. And I, when I say that that's my reading, you know, I see wuxia, which is not a, a Western or English word. I see we're using Japanese words explicitly. And they're like, change the appearance of your character. And it, it, it really touches me in a way where I'm like, my appearance has affected me in my life a lot. So I would have, if I was a sensitive reader... I would have been more specific and said, like, you can choose the appearance of your clothing or what your armor looks like. But leaving yeah. it as appearance is not okay with me in this context. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough point because, like, they're specifically talking about, like, Asian media and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And in, in another section in the Dungeon Master's Guide, they've actually specifically talked about how, like, honor is a thing that suits Asian <sighs> settings. They said that explicitly in this book. I'll, I'll find it. Um, but, um, I think the thing here is that like, they're basically saying that wuxia is an aesthetic, which it is not. Mm-mm. Um, and I think that's, that's the, that's kind of what you're leaning in on Steve. You're like, oh, just Asian, Asian air quotes is an aesthetic, which it is not. Um, but they take it a step further and say this entire literary genre is just an aesthetic. So, you know, if your magic lets you teleport, just say you're leaping from tree to tree very slowly, um, like in Crouching Tiger. And they go even further and they say, like, ability checks to climb don't involve careful searching for holds, but let characters bounce off walls or from tree to tree. Warriors stun their opponents by striking pressure points. Flavorful descriptions of actions in the game 
don't change the nuts and bolts of the rules, but they make all the difference in the feel of a campaign, which again, further like reinforces my point and Steve's point of like, Wuxia is not an aesthetic. Like there is a lot of nuance to it and the stories that are told and the kinds of characters that the players literally play. Right? Yeah, I agree. This 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 whole thing is just it's all sorts of wrong. Yeah, yeah I have all a lot of wrong. thoughts about uh, mechanical support for um, playing out a genre and or, and, but I feel like that is the same thought that I always have when it comes to like what if we use D and D to play something that is not actually supplied in its core mechanics. Mm-hmm. Um, so. Yeah, these are conversations that that you and I have had, Agatha, over the new Dungeons and Asians show that we'll do in the future. Yes. Um, yeah. and, and you know, we we've kind of gone back and forth. Those like, I think we agree with each other's points. Yeah. Um, on, on one end, it's like, yeah, D and D is not designed to do wuxia and wuxia stories Straight with up, like up. out of the box. It is not. Um, but at the same time, D and D is very much the biggest and most common entry point to the TTRPG genre for folks. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, it's like, that's why I would want to do our Wuxia show yeah. in D&D, to show people. But at the same time, it's a lot of work. It's why I wrote a, a Wuxia... Actually, I wrote a Wuxia story for Candlekeep Mysteries, right? Um, to show that you can do it, but there's a lot of work that needs to be done and a mm-hmm. lot of nuance. And they kind of dive into it. And I think this this is I think it's worth reading the next paragraph because I know you're gonna have things to say about it when it comes to mechanics, Agatha. Because in the next paragraph, they say similarly, a class doesn't need new rules to reflect a cultural influence. A new name could do the trick. And that's I think just that's straight up fucking wrong. I think it's straight up wrong. <laughs> sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry that came, I don't know where that came from. <laughs> No, I, 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 I agree because it's like they I mean, let's just talk because they say a traditional Chinese wuxia hero might be a paladin who has a sword called the Oath of Vengeance, while a samurai, a Japanese samurai might be a paladin with a particular oath of devotion, Bushido, that includes fealty to a lord, Daimyo, among its tenants. Like this isn't like the Akira Kurosawa section like of this of this book. Right, And then a ninja is a monk who pursues the way of shadow. Whether called a wujen, a sukai, or a swami, a wizard, sorcerer, or warlock character works just fine in a game inspired by medieval Asian cultures. Okay, so... Okay, I want to hear everyone else's thoughts first before I like go into... The mechanics. Basically. I kind of just want to listen to you, Agatha. I, I was going to say, Agatha, I actually am so <laughs> curious to hear your thoughts because I, I, I have the privilege of seeing you. Uh, it, I had the privilege and also like the <laughs> the pain of seeing you struggle through your thoughts. And I'm so curious to, to hear your expression of your feelings of this. But I'm happy to share mine if that gives you some space and time to help. No, I'm out. down. I'm down. Okay, so. Fuck yeah. So. The thing is, well, I was looking at the previous uh, paragraph, which is talking about, like, the sentence, uh, when characters use spells or special abilities that teleport them short distances, they actually make high-flying acrobatic leaps. Okay, so that is using magic to to do something that's physical. And 
I feel like that inherently is already going against the idea of what a martial artist is. So then it's like, and like, and classes in D and D are so much about like the classes define the character, right? Or like, mm-hmm. so like you, a warrior means that you are strong physically, and and of course you can like multi-class and mix things up and there are a lot of like hybrid classes in terms of like form and function and like narrative flavor but here it's explicitly saying that you use one thing that is very like it's magic and then you use it to in the application is in something that is supposed to be purely physical so there is already and then following that is the sentence ability checks to climb don't involve careful searching for holes but let characters bounce up walls or from tree to tree so that is one where it's mechanically uh it's the physical side right like you you then you're implying that everyone is already physically agile so then it's like i'm i was reading and i was like okay so then as a dm like how in what situations would i would i tell them to like make um, a magic check and in what situation am I supposed to say like oh it's it's just in the genre so I'm you don't need any checks when you're like bouncing from uh, tree to tree or like running up walls and so so there was there was that and then now we're going into this like like the Chinese wuxia hero might be a paladin um, and so a paladin is very it's rooted in in the templar knight christian uh mm-hmm. his western historic like history right it's like when you think of a paladin yeah you think of a templar knight uh, and it's like that's written into the story mm-hmm. i mean sorry it's written into the class where it's like you believe in a god and the that like gives your you god that, supplies your you with power yeah. but that's but that that would fall into the unorthodox in in you know you're not training for it. You're interesting. It to you. That's right. very interesting. But but, um, but but that's like that is completely separate of the point you're making, where the paladin is very much coded as European. Yes, and, mm-hmm. and so like yes. the mechanics reflect that. And but then here, I just feel like this whole section is like saying it's like I it's saying that you can play this, and I I feel like it's just. To me, it feels very lazy because it's saying like, mm-hmm. oh, yeah, you can just kind of like do some kind of aesthetics um, thing. And then and then therefore and then now our game is like suitable for playing in this genre. But no, it's not like none of the mechanics support it. And in mm-hmm. the instructions itself written in this text that people bought with their money, it it it's contradicting each other and being very unclear. And I feel like that just goes against what like a game book should do Um, more than like all of this, like, whoa, we don't know the difference between Japan and China in terms of these terminology more than that. It's just like, I feel like this is this, this piece of text is not, it's not, it should not be like an official game text because it's not actually giving any kind of like support. Like if I was running this game, I'm like, it's basically just saying like, just homebrew it. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, okay, I, I already know that I can homebrew things. Like, uh, yeah. 
but you're just you're giving me this section on it and you're giving me nothing to like support my homebrewing there are no like any kind of like extra rules uh about like there's no like guidance on like what yeah. like how i can how do i import like um for example like how do i import like the kind of like physical aspect of martial arts um mm-hmm. into into like a D game like it doesn't it just has literally no scaffolding um for that and that's and that that's my thoughts um about this text and about like mechanics needing to support the genre um i think at the very least they should have given um just like a like a list of guidances uh on on like even on the mechanics or and then yeah. or like a chart um yeah. i i feel like a lot of these like trad games like charts i love charts i think this could have used a chart um could use a couple of charts it, use a couple it, of, it's got it's got a chart and we're going to talk about that chart oh um, no it, it does have oh, a chart it does names. have a, a weapon oh. name chart we're going to talk about that agatha okay so which is again <laughs> your expression <laughs> Okay, so so here's 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 one thing that I think you've really brought up, right? Wuxia does not belong in the flavors of fantasy section of the book. Mm-hmm. It simply does not belong here because it is not a flavor of fantasy. Because Wuxia itself is also not really fantasy. Um, there there are it's a whole different genre, and that's where where they get this completely wrong. I think one thing here that's worth noting is that like. They do this blending of Asian cultures and they're like, yeah, sensei. And this is why, you know, I wanted to talk about Karate Kid because right here they they blend the Japanese and Chinese stuff. And I think it's like super reductive to basically, I mean, this is a pattern that D&D has shown in that they blend Asian cultures into one thing, right? It's like the Asian cultures are basically treated like the Cobb salad. Of like mm-hmm. in in D and D, they just like mm-hmm. throw a bunch of shit in there and hope it tastes good. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that like, you know, Paladin is like fundamentally cannot be used in Wuxia, right? I agree. Fundamentally, so, from like a mechanical yeah. perspective and just how it's designed, the name, mm-hmm. everything like that. I do want to talk about how you could do Wuxia, and I, a suggestion that I would make based on the conversation that we've had so far. If you were playing, or if you would like to do Wuxia, obviously, I think we want to start with, there's a lot of work involved, right? Not only with the kind of themes that you actually discuss, and the things that are sort of, that your characters encounter in the world. Um, For one, I want to talk about the kinds of characters that you might make if you were doing a Wuxia story. So for me, I would say, okay, you're not going to use any magic. You're not going to use the, the sorcerer, the warlock, the wizard. You're not going to touch those. The paladin and the cleric are so deeply coded as European, though you could reskin some of the things that the cleric does and call them like an herbalist. And then you could kind of go into the whole like doctor elements of wuxia because yeah. chinese story mm-hmm. and lit- chinese story like 
literature in general has a lot of famous doctors, like in mm-hmm. like Romance of the Three Kingdoms. A lot of people know that, um, right? So you could do that. Um, and I would reskin the cleric. The classes that I would actually lean into would be things like the fighter, the mm-hmm. rogue, mm-hmm. and in some cases, the bard. I have a couple of things to say about um, the bard and some magic. Let's talk about it. So there is one instance where Mage Hand was actually used in Demigods and Semi-Devils. But it's a very high-level like martial arts move that one of the protagonists uses as an intimidation to show that, like, I can do this, don't mess with me. And it, it, it comes up where he's, like, standing there, and he doesn't have a weapon, and there's, like, a Dao, like a, a Chinese broadsword on the floor, and he, like, brings it to him, like, basically breaking the laws of physics and brings it to him, and everyone's like, oh my god! Because to do that, you need, like, a high level oh, of chi. Everyone's like, oh, oh, okay, like, do we really want to pick on this guy? Like, not really. Yeah. Um. So, like, I would say for things like Magehead, you would like need to be like very high level to be able to do some of like just like the level zero spells. Mm-hmm. Um, for music, there's actually a lot of things where people, a lot of writings and stories where people can use music to help calm someone down if they are, um, like in inner turmoil, like if they've like suffered internal injuries. And they're trying to like heal themselves, like they have to listen to something very calming or and or anything. Or you can also use it to like mess up someone where they're fighting, and it makes their chi go awry, and then you know that also can do damage. So there's like a lot of like nuanced stuff that you can do with the bard. Another reason why I picked the bard is because the bard gets to pick a college, which would be your sect. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think would be really interesting. I think the rogue obviously figure features really well with a lot of the stuff that like Jin Yong wrote with like beggars and like the, uh, the beggar, beggar sect. Plan. Yeah, <laughs> right. And I think that that's the rogues right there, but also bards. Um, mm-hmm. Fighters, I think, have mechanical elements to them that can be kind of suited to Wuxia, like action surge could yeah. represent you moving further, right? Mm-hmm. But it's not magical, right? Mm-hmm. Or things like second wind, where you can mm-hmm. heal, I think, are also non-magical. The frame is non-magical, but yeah. more as like a dramatic thing. Like you get up, and you're like, "No, I'm still in this fight." Roll a mm-hmm. d10. Um, and some of the like champion dice things too, like could be rep- more representative, like tapping into that chi that they have, you know, they've trained for, yeah, things like that. And like, like I, I, I wouldn't even honestly, like, you could say. Do like level. I mean, honestly, if I were to do a Wuxia character, I would start all of the players at a higher level, but they've multi-classed. So they have like a, a level in Monk where they get the martial arts ability. Again, this is to play off of what's already in D&D. They've got the martial arts ability from a level one Monk. And then maybe they're going to go into either Fighter or they're going to go into Rogue. Or they're going to go into like bard, but at the root, everyone has a first level in monk, right? Uh, and then you can level up. I mean, you know, there's chi and key points and all that. Um, but I think if you were to do D and D, multi-classing would be essential to hit a lot of the the sort of visual and narrative beats of wuxia and multi-classing itself 
would also limit the extreme power gain you would get if you were just playing like a bard and you would get all of this magic, right? And then magic and low-level magic, like maybe a first-level bard or you know things like that, would then come in at a higher level in your story because you would get these like like really wild powers. Um, but again, this is a lot of work to basically be like, okay, everyone's going to be a level one monk, and then you can get one level in one other class, but then you can't pick anything magical. Yeah. So it's a lot of work. I gotta go ahead. No, I was go ahead. I was going to say that I in my I love Dungeons and Dragons, but I hate work. So although everything you've said really resonates with me, uh, I will never do this because I am too lazy, too fucking lazy to do this. But naturally, as we've had these conversations, I've realized that I have done what many other people I think have done successfully, where it's when you understand Wuxia and like where some of these elements come from and the stories that were told and these stories are told to you time and time again in different ways, you have this flexibility where you can just take certain elements based on the narrative you're trying to push and trying to build with your players, because we're talking about Dungeons and Dragons and RPGs, and actually incorporate those without changing too many mechanics. You can never get a full wuxia game out of Dungeons and Dragons for the exact reasons you said, and I 100% aligned with that. But I think you still can take some elements and actually pull those in while keeping within the framework of Dungeons and Dragons, knowing that you're going to hit restrictions and you have to just play within those. I, I, honestly, I would just say, if I would have just said, just do Shinsha in DD, yeah. that would work. That would be way easier. So it's funny because what I was going to say was that in my games, there are like some Musha storylines that like do take place. They came about semi organically, but I also understand that as I grew up and watched these dramas where I could not understand anything they were saying because I don't speak Chinese. <laughs> I don't speak anything. And the subtitles were in Vietnamese and I couldn't read that either, but I just sat there just like absorbing in this drama that was happening. Like I'm lucky enough that I could read their faces and whatnot and like absorb that information. But that has given me the idea of like these types of dramas that happen. It's like, Oh, this person is dressed a certain way and look how they talk to this person who's dressed completely differently. And that is like, ingrained in me and that manifests in my Dungeons and Dragons games where I do tell stories about how we have this someone who is in uh, has power they are put in a position where their power is challenged per se and then we talk about how that challenge how that power is shifted or maybe it doesn't shift and things like that and although I'm using very vague terms here um to me, these are resonant of the stories that I absorbed as someone who could not understand the language nor understand the writing. Yeah. I um my home game um started off as like a sort of like a pseudo wuxia story and is now transforming into a Shinsha story. My players don't know that yet. Um but it's going to become a Shinsha story. Um I actually wrote out a very comprehensive breakdown of like the like the government structure and then the the wulin <laughs> and i've kind of nice. like i've got all these different sects that i've written out um but one thing that's interesting is like i so i was doing um uh, ghosts of salt marsh is kind of like a starting adventure um because i thought it was really interesting in that 
you know, the the magical mystery of Salt Marsh is actually just bandits and outlaws um, fucking with people to try to scare them away. And I was like, oh, this is like a really cool thing to do. Um, and they were all low level. But now that they're getting more powerful and they're encountering things that are more mythical, this is very much not a wuxia story anymore and now a Xinxia story. And there's nothing wrong with it not being wuxia. I think the point we're trying to make here is that D&D is not good at doing wuxia, but with minimal, with, with some adjustments, you could do Xinxia pretty easily. Um, one thing that I think could be um, a really interesting uh, change to D&D would be to actually, instead of doing it as a flavor of fantasy, you actually have a section on different backgrounds. So you know, in D&D, you pick a background. Then in this case, you could actually pick backgrounds that are wuxia specific. So, you know, like vagabond or, you know, Beggar like a, like a beggar, right? But, you know, in D&D, there's already yeah. urchin and all that, yeah. right? But you could pick like ones that are specifically wuxia with wuxia specific features. So if you mm-hmm. pick like beggar, well, you have access to like this information network, Mm-hmm. And stuff like that. Or if you were like merchant, right? You have access to, you know, mercantile like information and funds and interesting stuff, which I, I think would be a great way to handle a lot of the Chinese themes um, mm-hmm. that you one might want to introduce to D&D. Um, but I, our time is limited. So I want us to continue um, with the next session uh, section and then the table. And it's Wuxia weapon name. <sighs> And then it goes, having players refer to a tetsubo or a katana rather than a great club or a longsword can enhance the flavor of a wuxia campaign. This is you crying, Agatha, just like... <laughs> yeah, think of those like noodle tears. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it literally opens up with the wuxia weapon name section the same way it opens up with the wuxia section with, <laughs> hey, let's talk about Japanese stuff. Yeah. That's true. <laughs> it's like uh, when a sensei disappears mysteriously <laughs> and an oni uh, <laughs> terrorizes a village, the wuxia heroes pull out their katanas. Like that's basically what they just said here. Yeah. Let's be honest. Um, like, mm. But yeah, it's they basically use. I, I'm going to they use recognizable Japanese elements when it's convenient. Mm-hmm. When they cannot articulate something that is Chinese, because they're like, "Oh, nobody's going to know what a Dao is or a Jian is, and nobody's going to be able to tell the difference." And then they say the Wuxia weapon names table lists alternative names for common weapons from the player's handbook and identifies the real-world cultural origins. An alternative name change. Um, an alternative name changes none of the weapon's properties as they are described in the player's handbook, which I think is a bad thing. So then they have a table. So they're like, okay, wuxia weapon names. And here's the part that like bothers me, because it's like, <laughs> it shouldn't be. They have two columns: weapon and then other names, <laughs> culture. But here's the thing: it should be it should be weapon, Chinese name. That should be it. Except what they do is they list Chinese and Japanese weapons. And so they're like, like the, if you think about like iconic wuxia weapons, you think of swords, right? Um, Like Dao and like Jian are like iconic Chinese swords. And they're pretty emblemic of 
Chinese material culture. The Jian is very, very Chinese, and there isn't really anything like it in other cultures. The Tao itself is very different from the Katana, right? Mm-hmm. And the Tao is also very different from, say, the Tawar or the Scimitar or the Shemshir mm-hmm. in West and South Asia. Mm-hmm. Um, but here they're like, okay, so um, <laughs> the flail, Nunchaku, Japan. Okay. They even get some of these wrong. Then they say that the glaive, because you and I were talking about this, the, the glaive, and they call it a guandao. And then they also say it's a bisento or a naginata in Japan. The, I want to talk about the guandao specifically. Because mm-hmm. the guandao is almost like a weapon of its own. Mm-hmm. And in Chinese and in traditional, like, like in Chinese history, pole arms, there were so many different pole arms mm-hmm. in ancient China, like dagger axes. You don't see that anywhere else. Like a dagger axe is so cool. Like, why wouldn't you put that here under pole mm-hmm. arms? Right. But the guandao is like an, is a weird choice for me because. It's so iconic of Guan Yu. Mm-hmm. And it's also iconic of the the of Imperial China and the Chinese military and not and you, you I mean if you look at historical Chinese like literature and art, the Guandao is wielded by the military. Although in martial arts movies you see, you know, characters use the Guandao. I don't know it's it's a weird point for me. It, it it the the thing is for me like you have this Guan like if you looked at a picture of like Guan Yu holding this, you might think like oh yeah that's a glaive, but that's if you like just glanced at it and like looked away, and that's really upsetting for me because that is a vector of cultural appropriation. It is a way to perpetuate harm where you can just take cultural signifiers things with like a lot of history. And just paint it on to an experience that's not related to it at all. You divorce it from all the history, all the legends, all the myths. And you just say, oh, it's equivalent to this thing that my, uh, my, my readers might understand. And one, very disrespectful to the people who are from that culture. Two, incredibly disrespectful to your readers your readers do have the ability, believe it or not, to understand that other cultures exist and that the stuff that they have and things that they use as cultural signifiers um, can exist outside of your Western frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So they stuff did like get this, one. Like, yeah, you know, it, it they did get one right. Like the great sword, uh, Changdao is is pretty close to like a great sword. Same with I guess a Nodachi. Um, but at the same I time, say they got so many of them wrong though. But they did it get so many me. of them wrong. But here's like here's where I think this this table just didn't need to be here, and what they yeah. could have done was replace it with here are Chinese weapons, and they could have just statted out Chinese weapons, and it would have been way more helpful. Um. So yeah, I I don't know. I got I got some issues with that. Yeah, they um, should have just given you a table with, you know. Yeah, they should have just given us a table. Um, when we go look at like. I look at this table and like the long sword is a particularly difficult one to kind of talk about because 
in China, there are like tons of different kinds of swords. There's the jian and then there's the dao are the two like big ones. Um, but they could both be a D&D long sword in a sense. Um, so, um, yeah, it's, it's, it's kind of, this is just lazy, but it kind of leans into the whole idea of that, like, being Asian is an aesthetic. And simple as that, right? I don't know. It's it's <laughs> what heavy shit. It's th- it's it's heavy shit, right? <laughs> One thing I'd like to do to kind of help bring us to maybe like more of a connecting, maybe not necessarily happy note, but like something that I think will help build connections, is that I started this stream, this podcast, saying that Usha is always something been on my periphery, and I will actually posit that for most people that I grew up in the West, Asian or not. Um, Wuxia has also been on the periphery and these concepts and stuff have really, really, really resonated with me and the idea of connecting and like naming certain things I've grew up with as Wuxia elements would be really, really helpful. I wonder if we could end today's stream just talking about maybe Western media where there are certain elements where you'd say that's kind of like Wuxia. Like if you were starting with Wuxia and you're looking to replicate more of like a crushing tiger, hidden dragon thing, Here's something that you might have experienced in Western society that actually is more of an interesting leverage point. So and it's you're possible saying... it's possible the answer is there is no such thing, and I'm fine with that. I would honestly counter that, Steve, by saying because what you basically suggested is telling people to look at Western things and not Asian things for an Asian genre. You're right. And I, I would did, just I say that's problematic. <laughs> I would just, um, yeah. but I, but 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 I do have an answer. One that was actually brought up in the chat by Eisen, and it's John Wick. Mm. Um, and the John Wick series has like wuxia elements um, because it's got a wulin. It's got that whole jianghu. It's got these sort of. Um, codes of conduct that all the characters abide to. Um, They operate these sort of liminal spaces in society where their world exists in the same, but is kind of separate. Um, And the character of John Wick is nuanced and very skilled at what he does in a way that almost seems supernatural, but it's just because he's so good, which is very much a wuxia thing. It's just that he doesn't have chi, but also Keanu Reeves is part Chinese. So I get throw that throw that out there. Mm-hmm. Also, happy birthday, Keanu. It was his birthday too. Yeah, happy ago. birthday, Keanu. Um, very true, um, very true. Wait, actually? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, so the, <laughs> honestly, honestly, here's what I, I want to put this out into the universe. Dream guest on Asians Represent would be Keanu Reeves. 100%. Keanu Reeves DM a one shot or play in a one shot. The whole the whole episode would me just going ah like, I would just I just like it would just I just yeah. wouldn't be able to contain Ke- myself. Keanu Reeves, Simu Liu. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, well here here's my we, we should do a whole episode on this, but like for me, Aquafina. it's I don't I don't want Aquafina on it. I just I got problems with Aquafina. Oh okay, just, fair enough, fair enough. Just like I don't know, uh, the, Aquafina basically like uses like this like this like black scent as like an aesthetic and then when she makes it big she ditches it entirely and she's like that's not cool i don't like that um but i mean that's a whole other episode but i mean like we gotta call that shit out as asians um 
because there there is that historical tension that we talked about um, mm -hmm. when we talked about the the model minority myth. Um, so yeah, I got there's some tension with me for, with Aquafina there, but yeah, Cebu Liu, Louis Tan, uh, uh, Keanu Reeves, Dave Bautista. Um, I'm just gonna keep going because I'm not gonna limit it myself to five. <laughs> I want like literally, I want like Michelle Yeoh. I want to play D and D with Michelle Yeoh. Oh, How yeah? cool would that be? My How cool would that be? That would right? be wild. And then like I would, oh well, literally every actor on kingdom <laughs> yeah literally yeah. every actor okay on i kingdom. would i would be quaking <laughs> yeah um uh, or literally anyone who's on like word of honor <laughs> get gong Jun. oh my oh. god or oh okay okay if i were to pick one person chow yun fat that's what i think mm. would be really I, cool oh, to play. i don't know if i can handle it i would just be uh, <laughs> yeah did you hear he's like yo I'm donating my entire fortune to charity. Yeah. Yep. And it's just like, wow, Chariot Fat. Yeah, but no. yeah, Chariot Fat. That's that's my pick. Not Keanu. I'm sorry, Keanu. <laughs> Chariot Fat. Um, but anyways, um, I think what we should do is recommend pieces of Asian media uh, that you know folks might want to you know try to dip their toes into to experience Wuxia and maybe Xinxia. Um, not to like shit on your question or anything, Steve. Um, no, no, no. I, I think it was good to call out that based on like my growing up and things like that, something yeah. like this lens and it's valid. doesn't mean it's not problematic. Like they can both be two things at once. Yeah. Uh, and I do appreciate kind of people giving thoughts on that. Yeah. I, I mean, like, look, I think it's important for us to have these conversations. Um, uh, and you know, it's, we've got that respect that we can kind of talk, talk about these things live. Cause it's important that these conversations happen. Um, so like, yeah, if you're going to do a Western thing, honestly, I think like you could do, um, like John Wick or even like Kung Fu Panda. So actually I, I wanted, when I asked my question, my example would have been Kung Fu Panda because that is a Western piece of media. Right. But it has this aesthetic and it tries really hard. And I feel that it, it it comes from a place of love of the genre where like research and stuff has been done. But when you look at it, if you really look at it, it's like it's not Chinese. It's definitely Western. And like that's kind of OK because the themes are kind of like like they understood what they were going for. They had a vision and they went for it. And it turned out to be a very, very interesting piece of media. Yeah. Yeah. I, I honestly, I really enjoy Kung Fu Panda. I think it's great. I've never seen it. I've never it's seen it. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. Can I? So I would love to actually give you a quick synopsis. I have, I have, uh, give me 120 seconds. I'll give you a quick synopsis. Do it. And we you got tell time. me if it's a wuxia theme or not. We start with our character, who's um, Po, who is a fat mask presenting person. It's a panda. It's a panda. Um, and it's voiced by Jack Black. So like Jack Black has talked about like fat phobia and like things like that and like very much in love with their body. Um, so we have this panda who is raised by this noodle vendor who is a goose or duck. doesn't matter. <laughs> um, and that is the panda's father. And the panda loves these amazing martial artists, the tiger, the mantis, the monkey, the snake. And they are all trained by the rat, right? So in fact, the rat's name is Sifu. And it's like, okay, I see what you're doing here. Um, and the panda eventually goes to this monastery 
and is like, I, I want to learn this. I'm going to be the dragon warrior. Who's like this mythical thing, this like person who should exist to like keep the world from being destroyed. Um, and the Sifu is like, you can't do any of the training that I want you to do. You can't do a push up. You can't do any of these like physical things that I need you to do. You are basically useless. and I have no way to train you. And the Sifu then looks back and contacts their master who is a turtle. And the turtle is like, Hey man, yo, master Uguay, you like, you know, you can't make some, you can't make someone something they're not right. Like peaches are peaches and pandas are pandas. Like you can't force it to be something else. And the Sifu is like, that's really wise. And then the turtle like dissipates and like becomes like, uh, like <laughs> cherry blossom petals and like vanishes into the ether. <laughs> and then the Sifu um, remembers that they can just train Poe based on what Poe resonates with, which is food. And they connect through food. And Poe learns and grows and actually learns some techniques and things like that. And at the very end, Poe is able to find the ancient dragon scroll that has all of like ancient wisdom in it. And they find it and the scroll is just gold and there's nothing written on it. And the eventually they're like, this is nothing. There's nothing here. It was all a trick. And then the big bad person eventually beats Poe in a conflict, looks at the scroll and they look at themselves and the scroll is all gold, right? And they see their own selves in the reflection. And the villain is like, there's nothing here. There's nothing looking at their own reflection. And Poe is like, no, the secret is ancient techniques are in yourself. The mirror is the ancient technique. And Poe unlocks all of their martial ability and then defeats them in Kung Fu, Kung Fu battle. <laughs> and, and, that's the end of the, and then goes back home to make noodles with his dad. So Kung Fu Panda is not. very wholesome, very, very wholesome. And I, I really enjoy it. That's actually a good one. So we've so for Western movies, we've got Kung Fu Panda and John Wick. So, so, so would you say, Johnny Egg, though, would, would you say that's like a Usha like themed? I think it could be a Wuxia film for kids. I'd have to watch it. There, the, in the in the other in the other Kung Fu Panda movies, they they explore the wider world, and there is like an unorthodox character, and then there are clearly orthodox characters, and they have their different mm-hmm. styles. Yeah, I think I, so. Because like Wuxia stories I, I for kids is also different from like Wuxia mm-hmm. in general. So yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. So I, I think we should go into the whole like Asian cinema. Like if you were to pick one thing that's easily accessible, what would it be? Whether it be through streaming, like on like Netflix or Prime or, or wherever or Hulu or whatever whatever you watch. Word of honor. Word of I was gonna say word of honor. <laughs> the untamed is also on it. And I think the untamed has better But songs. the untamed is so campy. I like yeah. Word of Honor. Okay, I, could, Word of I Honor couldn't better. sit through Untamed. I couldn't sit through Untamed, and that's, okay, that's more Shinsha. Yeah, that's true. That's it more Shinsha. If we're talking about Wuxia only, I, I Word of Honor is enjoyable. Um, Legend of Condor Hero, but only the specific one that has Zhou uh, Xun in it. They do this. So the popularity of like Condor Heroes is that they remake the trilogy at least once every decade. There's like five different versions of it. I think one version's on like the version that I personally like is on YouTube, but um may have been on amazon print at some point 
Oh, um, I've never watched. I actually never watched any of the Condor Heroes, nor have I read it. I've only read. Wait, is, wait. Which one is the couple, and which one is the other Condor one? Se <laughs> Diao is a legend, and then there's Return, which is the second one. Ah, yes. So I, I've, yeah, I've read Se Diao. So the Legend of Condor Heroes. Yeah, Legend of Condor Heroes. Yeah, that one is the first one. That one's and then Return in the second one. And then they do a little bit of time jump, and Heaven Sword and Dragon Saber is actually the third one. Oh yeah, I've also read that one. I skipped the middle one because I was like, I was too too young at that point to care about romance. And then like, like the adults in my life were like, "Oh yeah, that one's the romance one." I was like, "Ew, gross!" Ew. So I never read it. <laughs> that one's my favorite one. It has my favorite character. Saws. <laughs> yeah. Um. But yeah, definitely recommend watching them if you don't want to read it um, um what yeah, about like modern. just movies because like what other things that are on netflix you know right what now? like it, um, the it okay so i've got a, i've got an interesting like Ip man obviously i think is a fantastic wuxia movie that i think is like universally acclaimed if you're looking for something really different i recently watched one um by recently within like the last year watched one called brotherhood of blades that one's good. That was very good. That one's but good. It, but it explores something that is you don't see in a lot of like mainstream, well-known wuxia movies, and that the main characters of Brotherhood of Blades are the um, the, the Jin Yi Wei, but the specifically, <laughs> the specifically cops. the secret police of the uh, was it the Ming. Uh, yeah. government yeah yeah they're the secret cops of, of some but they were like, like corrupted ming. stuff yeah. is the yeah. ming yeah um and so like brotherhood of blades there's two of them uh cool action scenes um and uh it's very much got the those sort of wuxia elements we talked about mm-hmm. um but like i guess counter to my initial question it's like oh you know it's it's the they're the government yeah, but it's still no. But, but the thing is that we didn't really touch on this, and we we're kind of out of time. But it's it, just because it's a government doesn't make yeah. it not wuxia. Yeah, which 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 you said earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's like it's like when when the bad guy is this like 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 middle aged, um, out of shape looking eunuch, and then they suddenly like whip out a fan and start like battling. Um, the other characters that's when you know oh. that's when you know this is a wuxia story. that's why this fan that's why this fan yeah yeah like fans are a weapon oh yeah. wait oh if we're wuxia oh wow bring out the the real weapon okay yeah, the okay. real weapons Oh, yeah, the, there we go. The bard. Um, so for yeah. uh, audio listeners, this is uh, a, ch- a Chinese flute. That oh was, my gosh, uh, you play that Chinese flute, and all of us will start coughing up blood. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's like the biggest trope. When you're when you're hurt, you have like cough up blood. It's like <laughs> yeah. So this and is you have, um, to have like the blood like drip down your legs. Yeah. This is uh, this is my grandfather's. Um, oh wow. And my, my parents oh, had no it. And my grandfather got this in Taiwan. Um, wow. And uh, I actually went to my parents' place to pick it up today. And I'm, like, uh, struggling with it. And then Sarah, my partner, comes home. And it's, it's like, oh, yes, I can make sounds with this. And I was like, oh, I'm so ashamed of myself. <laughs> oh. Shame on your, oh. on your family. Dishonor you on you. to go see your grandfather now. Yo, okay. So I've, got a, I've had a really cute sort of story to conclude when we talk about our, our lovely patrons. Um, but, okay, so we have Brotherhood of Blades. We've got the like Condor Heroes adaptations. We have John Wick, Kung Fu Panda, Ip Man. Anything else? Let's let's go for one more. I'm going to throw out very recent Shadow 
on Netflix. Oh yeah, I was, I was yeah, yeah, yes. great. So yeah. like Shadow, Shadow sold aesthetic. itself <laughs> as a wuxia, in my opinion. Uh, so watch that and like notice the very the, notice the nuances, like how people interact with each other and how the background actors and the setting mm-hmm. helps to show you what positions everyone has their role in society and then watch as they break them i feel like that is very like Mm -hmm. key to wuxia knowing knowing that i'm an outsider looking in so much melodrama and shadow yeah and so I think, much oh my gosh i remember when it was screening uh at where i worked and there were so many walkouts <laughs> because <laughs> and the thing is this is the this is a great thing to recommend because like watching brotherhood of blades which is like high like non-stop but and then like shadow is is not what you would in the west call a kung fu movie because a kung fu movie is supposed to have like very fast action not a lot of plot uh if there's plot that's a plus but otherwise like we're here for like the the practical effects and shadow is not that and that was why we had so many walkouts because people were like i'm so bored i came here for like a thing where people are going to keep punching each other but they're just like Yeah. Well, that's like Zangimo's style, though. Yeah, like, it is Zangimo's style. Yeah. Heroes the same pacing. Yeah. Heroes the same pacing. Oh, yeah. Hero, hero Heroes is a good like one. own separate side issues, I think. Yeah. But, um, like, but it's the same oh, pacing. God, but Shadow yeah. is a Wuxia film. Yeah. So yeah. that's like where you can really get the full spectrum of like. I, think, I also stories. think it's very accessible to Western audiences. Yeah. Like, oh. don't come into it thinking it's going to be like a Jackie Chan film where you're going to mm-hmm. see someone use a ladder to fight someone. Like expect to see like an like a theater drama, yeah. And yeah, all the all the martial arts that you see, understand that that is like part of the experience, but not the core of it. Yeah, I'd say like if you're gonna uh, of all the things we mentioned, Shadow is like that like as, the most like aesthetic. It's aesthetic. Is yeah. that aesthetic movie? It's, it's his thing. It's true. Yeah, it's yeah, his thing. Right. Thing. I, I will say like Hero. The fight scene between Jet Li and Donnie Yen in Hero is like peak oh. wuxia for me. Oh, that so given, given that, given that, it, it's literally a psychic battle. L- a psychic literally, battle. literally one quarter of the Asian episodes has you mentioning this, and like I, I love it. <laughs> like, I love it. It's so so like good for it. Uh, yeah, things, yeah that, I, things that come up. See movie. That one scene in Hero. The one. But uh, it's actually not see movie. It's Keanu Reeves. The one scene in Hero and Louis true. Tan. Oh, that's true. <laughs> it's not Simu Liu, it's Louis Tan. If I had to pick Louis Tan over Simu Liu all day. Look, I think Simu Liu is a great guy. He's representing our community. But if I had to pick one of the two, just 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 looks. Hmm, Louis Tan, come on. Bro, oh, he is quick a thing, he, Otto Cliffy mentioned the swordsman. So quick thing. The swordsman is it's a movie Jin adaptation. Yong. Huh? Isn't that smiling? Yes, Jin Yong. It's a movie adaptation of Jin Yong, which they don't do a super uh good job of stealing and i don't know if it's one or two that has um brigette lynn as the antagonist who is by the way my opinion canonically trans representation in wuxia just to add some intersection there's also a swordsman tv show Oh, There's a know, lot of them. I don't know anything. And I know that uh, Chow Yun-Fat was in one of them adaptations. He was? Oh, my God. Tony yeah. Young was in one of the original Heaven Swords. I haven't seen that one I'm yet. I'm pretty sure that, yeah, Chow Yun-Fat is in oh the original Smiling oh Proud God. Wanderer TV show. 
Oh my god, I had to dig that out. In, I gotta in, dig that out. in um, 1984, Shia Fett's right on that poster. This this dude has not aged. This dude has not aged. It's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Clip. The, the um, swordsman is basically taken, right? A swordsman huh? who's going blind is forced to raise his sword no, again. No, no, to no, no. Swordsman is Shao Zhang Hu. Oh, I'm looking at the. You're looking at the wrong one. The Korean one. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Ooh, yeah. T- just taken like the Liam Neeson movies. Yeah. This, oh, yeah. this plot is literally yeah. that. Sorry. Anyway. Well, you know what? You know what's actually interesting? There are also some like Wuxia. Okay. Controversial. Interesting because of his roots in the Wuxia genre. John Woo's 80s Hong Kong blood opera movies feature a lot of Wuxia themes. Um, yeah. Which I, I'm thinking about now in like Hard Boiled. Yeah. The Killer have yeah. a lot of that wuxia elements to them, given that John Woo actually made his early career doing wuxia movies, um, which a lot of people don't know. I think it's interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, but that said, we have reached a certain point in our show where we thank our amazing patrons uh, for their support. And um, I wanted to tell all of you a, a story, a wuxia story that I've been holding on to, actually until this episode and I promise it'll be worth it. Um, so uh, one of the reasons why I'm like super careful about you know, going out and doing all that stuff is that like a lot of my family is like, you know, they're, they're vulnerable. And one is my grandfather and my grandfather, um, my, my gong gong. So that's on my, my mom's side of the family. Um, he was like really into martial arts and a practitioner of like Kung Fu for like his entire life. And he would have stories about how he would, he owned restaurants all over Toronto as one of the first Chinese restaurant owners in Toronto talking about how him and his Kung Fu buddies used to walk around with weapons in Chinatown and like talk about how like my grandma used to talk about how she would have a bowl with salt and pepper in it to throw at people's faces if they got too rowdy. Um, But I haven't been able to see him in a long time. And uh, last year, he basically went through some health problems and we all thought that he was going to pass away. And this was very much before COVID. And I thought I wasn't going to ever see him again. He's still around now and still kicking it. And he you know, talks to my mom every day and we try to go see him. And last time I saw him, I was telling him, I was like, oh, I've been learning about Wuxia and watching a lot of shows. And he was like, his eyes lit up. And he's not very mobile right now. So he's kind of sitting in one of those walkers that you can sit on. And I was like, yeah, you know, like I'm reading about Wuxia and I'm reading, I'm actually reading a, a manhwa called um, Blood and Steel, which is super cool if you're interested in Wuxia. Um, and I was telling you about like, you know, the stuff that Sarah and I are watching. And then he sat there and then he just started <laughs> three punches because we were like, oh, watching Wuxia. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to like freak out. And it was like the one of the the best 2021 memories for me is literally talking to my grandfather about finally learning about Wuxia and then him seeing him react that way given that, you know, he, there's a lot of like family drama and stuff that I won't get yeah. into, but like, it like 
telling him that I was learning about Wuxia like filled him with life. Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was just like, it was, it was just like really cool. Um, so I wanted to share that with you folks. Um, and I'm, you know, the reason why we're doing so much Wuxia is because I'm prepping for our eventual Wuxia or Xinxia show that we're going to do through our Patreon. Um, so, you know, I have so much, Agatha and I have so much um, gratitude for you know everyone who supports us on patreon even if you're not like the the lowest tier and you're not on the screen we really appreciate you um we you know shout out to like those disciples and like our guardians brook bright pixel grotto you know daisy may we really appreciate you um and you know i wouldn't have gotten this moment i i like i'm not shitting you or anything like that i wouldn't have gotten this moment with my grandfather if i hadn't been trying to do asians represent stuff for patrons and looking up Wuxia. Um, so shout out to all of you and then our most honorable, honorable patrons. You know, Ryan the Wizard Hall, Metal Weave Games, Andreas, you were in the chat earlier, Valorous Games, Liana, we got Caratour coming up, uh, Dungeon Glitch, Matt, um, and then our, of course our most honorable, honorable epic impulse. Um, Marla is here. Marla has her own sect. She she is uh, a master oh, no. of the the Marla arts, um, and so wow, she is Marla. not having a good she time. She hates this. Yeah. She 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 does not like this. We love you, Marla. Marla, do you want to say hi to everyone? I can see Marla just clawing into Sarah. It's like, get me out of here. Oh yeah, yeah she, she's definitely gonna her do po- that. Yeah, her posture is yeah. so like. <laughs> we love you, Marla. Okay, we Marla's gonna pee or something. Yeah. Um, hi. Yep. But but yeah, I just wanted to thank all of you for your support on Patreon. It means a lot. Um, we're going to try to put in a new Patreon goal and maybe move up our Shinsha series to a different goal. Um, but we already hit our first one. We had our first Bubble Tea Book Club, and that was awesome. Uh, so I'm really excited. Um, Patreon has also enabled us to like get you tools and resources to do other shows. Um, tomorrow we've got Caratour. I unfortunately will not be able to be there, but Agatha is going to run the show there, and Agatha is also running running point on recording that Steve is leading. Oh, you 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 opened up that can of worms. I I for all our listeners here, I'm so happy that I got a chance, Daniel, to be part of this community, to work and to build these bonds and express myself in a way that was authentic and genuine that you allowed me to have space to have a Vietnamese centric episode. Our first Vietnamese centered episode where I have some amazing guests, some fucking amazing guests. We're going to talk about being Vietnamese in this space. And I, I, I have no words. I, I've already expressed my guests that I'm a little starstruck, a little anxious, <laughs> we got some, we got a little some nervous, awesome guests. <laughs> Uh, but also very thankful and, and gratuitous or gracious that um, I get this opportunity and all my guests surprisingly, maybe not surprisingly share similar feelings. And I think that just speaks the the Vietnamese diaspora. Yeah. It's an episode that we, we really need to do. Um, I'm excited that it's happening. Um, I'm hyped that Agatha is uh, learning some new skills and, you know, taking care of that, so I appreciate you, Agatha, for for doing that. Because you know, one of the big things with Asians represent is that it was just like 
literally becoming like, I don't want to say like a burden, but really difficult to maintain for me. Um, so now that we could do that, that means we could do more episodes. Um, so we'll actually, um, Steve, since you're running the show, I don't know if you our patrons are on our patron discord area. If they have questions for you, we'll create a thread there, Steve. So they can ask any questions. You're dictating the topic, so I don't know what the questions would be about. Um, but yeah, I, I'm I'm hyped for that, Steve. I'm hyped for a Kara tour. Tomorrow's Kara tour is actually going to be a little bit different um, because it's going to be a world building episode, and we're not actually reading Kara tour. Um, we're actually doing some world building um, and literally making a small little village in like a fantasy China, and it will be one of many world building episodes where we'll do like a Vietnamese one. We'll do like a South Asian one. I want to do so many of these. Um, so tomorrow is going to be um, the first one. I've already written out my part. Um, I created like a, like a little, uh, like a restaurant called the Tiger and Crow. Um, and it, I think it's going to be really cool. Um, so I'm hyped that we're, we're going to be doing that um, live. Um, now I see in the chat that, you know, folks were referencing a previous episode on Wuxia. Um, it's, uh, if you go to our audio feed, it's the only Wuxia episode there. Um, I forget which um, which number it is. Actually, I can find out because we hella organized here at Asians Represent. Um, it is episode 24 of the podcast. Um, that was released November 20th, 2020. So you can check that out on iTunes, Spotify, and Google Podcasts. Um, if you're looking for you know the audio or extended audio of this one, it's going to be exclusive to our patrons um, who support we, you know, really 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 value um y'all are awesome um but yeah that that said um let's wrap this up uh johnny thank you for joining us for no, this thank episode you guys so much for having me again uh i'm hyped to like have you on again like we'll do something we gotta we gotta yeah. we gotta do more of this yeah johnny um, the ghost episode right yeah oh yeah do you want to do a ghost episode <laughs> with us i'm serious though like I'm kidding no johnny doesn't want like <laughs> Horror. I am like such like a big like scaredy cat. I'm like, <laughs> no, but we're, we're gonna do this. Yeah, we're not. Gonna, we're not, that, that was not going to be on like the Southeast Asian ones because those are too ter- too scary. Like we also need an expert for that. I'd say we just do the Chinese ones. That's still scary, Johnny. Oh, okay, I'm going to invite you to a game of There's Ghosts in this Discord, and we're going to play it with like ten of us, like twelve of us, and it's a game built for like twelve people. Honestly, details incoming. Honestly, I think a really Very good Johnny. episode would I think a good series would honestly be let's talk about creatures from different Asian cultures. Yes. Yeah. It'd be hella cool. I got a, a I got a lot of, like, of my... Southeast Asian people. Like... Oh yeah. Yeah, and so, yeah, South Asian stuff that. too that yeah. like is so underrepresented. Honestly, it's a talking about creatures and I say creatures and not monsters because that term is very specific to certain mm-hmm. things um so i'm let's 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 figure something out like that but that said you know johnny i'm super super grateful that you were here steve like thank you for being vulnerable and i think it's really good that we can you know dis like disagree air quotes uh live on things like that and then, of course like agatha you're always just like you're always dope um you know bring in the knowledge um and like always like critical of dnd and i think in, in a constructive way which I think is important. Um, that said, folks, uh, we'll see you next time. On Asians represent. We've got we've got so many recordings coming up. We've got Steve's episode on Vietnamese culture and TTRPGs. I'm doing a remote recording next Saturday 
with some of the Al-Qadim crew on fashion. Um, so we're going to talk about the use of clothing as like simple aesthetic and how problematic that can be. Very similar to what we're talking about with flavors of fantasy. Um, we're taking it to the next level. I'm hyped for that. I'm hyped for those voices to be back on Asians Represent. Uh, we wish, you know, Amar like a speedy recovery because Amar is ill right now. Um, so like, you know, send, send Amar those good vibes. Uh, that's it, folks. We'll, we'll see you next time. 